0: Manscape presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Also brought to you by our partners at Foundation Physiotherapy, Ballistic Sports, and Georgetown Honda. This week, we go behind the scenes with John Gibbons to learn that even the best of Blue Jays teams have some pretty big bumps from time to time.
1: Josh was probably the most disliked in the game. Jose was, out there battling out for one and two and
0: for the same reason.
1: You know, they both showed up to play. They're both great competitors. They're both best players in the game but they were they were emotional
0: and now i'd like to ask edwin incarnacion if you're out there somewhere could you come and help our team out because barry and i are bickering all the time and well anyways here's barry
2: davis i gotta tell you something tom there are some things that we hear from john gibbons in this chat that i've never heard john gibbons say and i've been around gibby for an awfully long time and i've heard a lot of things and i've talked to him on the record and off the record Uh, He brings to light some very interesting things, including what you're talking about. Some of the, uh, I don't know if you'd call it turmoil, unrest, but the clubhouse with the Blue Jays in 15 and 16 was not all as rosy as we thought it was. And we'll find that out from John Gibbons. He also takes us behind the scenes in his dust up with Ted Lilly. Also the time that he told Kevin Pillar, you need to go down to the minors. And that turned Kevin's career around. A great conversation with Kevin Plar, including our OTP insiders who once again bring it and ask some fantastic questions. So we have that to look forward to. We will also speak with a Detroit Tigers prospect. And Tom, why are we going to talk to a Detroit Tigers prospect?
0: Well, Barry, as you know, we'd like to talk to any prospects out there that arise in their way. We love that part of the story. It's kind of my, it's one of my favorite parts that we do, but this particular Tigers prospect has something pretty special going for him. He might be one of the very first Prince Edward Islanders to ever make the majors.
2: That's right. Cole McLaren will join us. He's a catcher in the Tigers organization, and uh, we get some good tips on places to go in PEI as well. Raj Sapaya will give us an update on yet another Toronto Blue Jays injury. Remember Corey Dickerson, the guy the Blue Jays got in the trade? We haven't seen him play yet. Why not? What is going on with that contusion in his foot? Raj Sapaya, Foundation Physiotherapy, will fill us in on that. Up next, though, Tom, you see it behind you. The Jays are going home. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. You're listening to and watching Out of the Park.
3: A play ball!
2: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, girls
0: and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis.
2: And the first pitch is brought to you by our good pals at Manscaped.com. Manscaped, right there. It is the 4.0. It is the lawnmower. Tom and I both are very proud owners of the lawnmower, and you can get yours for a wonderful discount by using the promo code out of the park. Tom, what can we say about these folks? We also have the era nose trimmers now from these guys awesome awesome products and you can get a great discount with us
0: yeah you can't get better you can't get better value especially with a 20 percent off discount you can take these things you can use them in the shower you can use them in the rain you could probably take them swimming with you and do it in there if you were so inclined although i have no idea why you might be that being said they're rugged tools they're great precision thousands of rpms grooming power take care of your good bits take care of your naughty bits Take care of every part of yourself. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code OUT OF THE PARK.
2: If you ever do that in a swimming pool, please let me know because I yeah, shall I never know. swim. I shall never swim in a pool that you actually shaved in. Okay? Yeah. my apologies. <laughs> Sometimes
0: when you're ad-libbing lines, it's, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> For those that are uh, watching on YouTube, first of all, if you're not watching on YouTube and you're listening, that's great. But if you'd like to watch, you just have to subscribe to Out of the Park on YouTube. doesn't cost you a penny and you can catch up with all of our episodes. When we are recording this right now, the Blue Jays have been rained out, so there's no game. So it's a great opportunity to sit and catch up on some great chats we've had. You can also listen to us anywhere that you get your podcasts, including Spotify and iTunes. Rogers Center, Skydome is going to be home for baseball again. Jays have not played a home game since 2019. They finally got it done. We're going to see baseball. Looking at about, what, 15,000 fans are going to allow in to start... Tom, I think this this might this might be a little boost that the Toronto Blue Jays need to make their run. Cannot, you cannot understate or overstate how important it is to have home games.
0: No, and and this is something that I did not like I, I I've on this show numerous times said there's no way they were playing here in twenty twenty-one. But here we are. And it's amazing. Yeah, we're we're less less than two weeks away is it but by, by the time we air this mm-hmm. and we're actually going to have home games at the dome in honor of that i've got my background going today and That's beautiful. Uh, you know i couldn't be happier to be wrong about this i didn't think there was any way that we would have said but again every time we talk about it covid teaches us lessons right you can never know what's coming around the corner and this is a nice surprise for toronto fans
2: it really is i, I- i'm thrilled that they're Coming back to Toronto, Uh, let's hope we get radio broadcasts back again. (laughs) That would be really nice. Uh, Ben Wagner does such a great job. I'd love to hear his voice again on the radio. But we are getting into a little bit of normalcy. Uh, Tom, usually we yak on a lot more about baseball, but we've got so much coming up on the show. So let's not waste any more time, shall we? Let's head off now to Prince Edward Island. Well, we are honored now to be joined by PEI native and now a member of the Detroit Tigers organization, uh Cole McLaren, we're not gonna hold that against you. We're fine with you being a tie. If you said you were a Yankee uh or a Red Sox, we'd probably say not a chance in hell, but uh not for sure. We're, we're, we're happy, happy to have, have we're happy to have you on the show. Uh, uh
4: yeah, thanks, guys.
2: First and foremost, I mean, man, just seeing your story and what has gone on with you over the last couple of years, it, it's pretty much a, a wild whirlwind story. I mean, you were you weren't drafted, uh and then you were you were signed as a undrafted free agent. So, yeah. first of all, we've talked to many players about what draft day was like and that anticipation and that expectation. What do you remember about draft day? And, and what, were you almost at a point when you weren't drafted of thinking, well, I guess baseball's not going to be my thing full-time?
4: Yeah. I mean, with the draft, it happens over a course of three days, right? So I knew that, Um, Being a senior, um, coming out of college, I knew if I was going to get my name called, it was going to be on the third day. Um, So, you know, I was just kind of went about it in a normal way, just kind of hanging around the house, not really doing too much. And then, you know, the the day is over and you don't get to hear your name called. And you kind of have to go to plan B and understand that, you know, baseball might be over. Um, You know, I still... Um, knew and hoped that there was a chance that I could be an undrafted free agent, um, especially being a catcher. You know, teams are always looking for for catchers just for, you know, defensive replacements, if anything. Um, so, yeah, draft day was, was, was a little bit of a disappointment. But, um, you know, I still knew there was a chance that uh, I could still get the opportunity to, to sign um, professionally. So and uh, the Tigers called, I think, a week or two after the draft. Um, and yeah, they had me on a plane two days after the call and, and we got the ball rolling.
0: So looking at it, you know, now a little bit removed from the situation. Um, was it a better thing for you that you didn't get drafted? Like is, has your minor league career started off in a better place because you were an unsigned free agent or you were a signed free agent or would it have been better had you gotten drafted maybe?
4: Um. I really don't think it would have made too much of a difference if I was drafted um, compared to me not getting drafted. Right. Um, The money was still the same. Um, You know, senior sign guys out of high school or college. Sorry. Um, We tend to, to just sign for whatever, right. Because it's our last opportunity to keep playing baseball. Um, So I don't think if I were drafted, it would have changed um, really anything. When I, when I first got to to Tiger Town down in Lake. So,
2: so Cole, you kind of yada yada yadded over the best part of your entire story, so we're going to get you to tell it because here you are, you're at your little brother's high school graduation, yes. where you're not even supposed to have your phone turned on, <laughs> right? And so, first of all, did you forget to turn on your phone, or are you just like me and say, ah, oh, screw it, you know, I'm going to have my phone on because I, uh. I need it. Because that's how you found out that the Tigers were, were signing you, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, so, yeah, we were just sitting at the um, graduation ceremony, and I got a text from Coach Mike Bell that coached me at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and he was like, you know, have your phone on you the, these next couple hours. Um, you know, you're going to expect a phone call that you're going to really like. I was like, the heck is that going to be now? So, anyway, I kept my phone on me, and then... Probably halfway through his ceremony, the uh, Matt Smuda, the area scout for for the Pittsburgh area with the Tigers, gave me a call and said they wanted to sign me with a undrafted free agent minor league deal. So well, that was a pretty pretty good call to get. Um, you know, I didn't want to take anything away from my little brother and his big graduation, but uh, you know, he was he was pretty understanding and he was just as excited as I was. so.
2: So let me ask you this. What was closer to the the reality of what happened? You're sitting in there. You get a text, and you go, okay, cool. A. B, did you go, holy shit, I just got signed? Or C, did you kind of go, like you're holding it in because you're like, I just got freaking signed, but I don't want to steal this. What was going through your mind? Like, what were one of those three what really happened with you?
4: Yeah, so I I actually – whenever the call came, I actually got up and left. I went outside. I went into the parking lot um, because I just didn't know what to expect. I wanted to, you know, experience it with nobody looking at me. So it was kind of a a mix between two and three, you know, like I did get a little bit of a celebration, but I didn't bask in it too long. I kind of got right back in there and um, congratulated my brother for for graduating high school, but yeah, there was did a, you tell
2: him right away? Like when you like after you got the news, did you yeah, kinda... so
4: he, whenever he came back and sat down at the table for the for the meal, uh, that's when that's when I told him. I told my parents right away because they were sitting right beside me. Um, and they kind of kept their their emotions within <laughs> themselves. Um, but once we got home, it was kind of a, a little bit more of a celebration.
0: You know, when we talk with a lot of Canadian born players, one of the natural questions that comes up is, you know, what drew you to baseball as opposed to hockey? Although I suppose being from PEI, the question would be what drew you to baseball as opposed to golf?
4: Yeah, um, you know, I played hockey and golf just as long as I played baseball. Um, You know, I grew up skating on the river. Um, You know, I took I can remember taking golf lessons when I was maybe eight eight or nine years old. Um but I don't know what what it was that that drew me to baseball. Um I think it was just always a sport I loved. I always thought that, you know, I was better at it per se than I was at hockey or golf. And maybe I saw a little more of a future in it for me. Um, But you know, just like any other Canadian kid, I played hockey in the wintertime and then played golf and baseball in the summertime. Um, It was pretty pretty normal. Uh, life growing up and then i think it was maybe when i was 16 i decided to to kind of focus more on baseball throughout the winter and i I stopped playing hockey
2: how hard is that to do in pei i mean even you know even here in ontario or anywhere in canada we can play baseball all summer i mean tom's son is a pitcher and plays all summer but uh you know other than doing some indoor things it's pretty hard to get that competitive baseball going in the off season. So what do you do? And I know you ended up going to college in Pittsburgh, which is another thing. Like there's not really a lot of great Canadian opportunities. Like if you want to make it, you've got to go to the States. But like, how did you maintain your baseball skills when you don't really have the facilities or the manpower to keep it going?
4: Right. So um, for my, I think it was my grade 10 year. Um, I was still back in PEI. Um, there was a program called the Eastern baseball Academy. I think we worked out two or three times a week, um, in a big indoor turf stock facility. Um, so we did that, um, two or three times a week. And then, my um, like grade 11, 12 year I actually moved out to Okotoks, Alberta, and played for the Okotoks Alex baseball Academy. Um, which I'm not too sure if you're familiar with them, but they have a beautiful, oh, yeah. b- beautiful indoor facility. Um, up there, a ton of coaches with great experience. Um, some guys got pro experience, college experience. Um, so I moved out there for grade 11 and 12 um, and spending two winters out there, man, that was crucial for my development. Um, you know, we, we got after it indoors. We really didn't care that that we were indoors and couldn't get outside. Um, we, we went about every day as if it was sunny and 75 out there right um so yeah i think you know getting better in the winter time is based on on development and not feeling sorry um feeling sorry for yourself about your situation that you're not getting outside every day um you know you just got to work with the courage dealt.
0: <laughs> you know it's it's crazy to, to hear of like a program like the okotoks um even from when you started in baseball to now, um, are there more of those programs hopping, like popping up in Canada, so that people don't have to travel halfway across the country to get involved
4: in high-level baseball? Um, you know, on the East Coast, not really. Um, there's just not enough interest, I guess, um, to. Play baseball at that kind of a level year-round, um, but, you know, as you go more west, there, I think there's a couple more programs that might be popping up here and there, maybe in Saskatchewan and um, places like that, but in terms of out on the East Coast, there's a couple programs I know that are trying to do the, the full winter thing and and go down to some tournaments down in the state, which is, which is awesome to see, but I think... There's only gonna be room for maybe one or two of those programs on the East Coast, just with it being so small and the interest pool not being as big as, you know, Ontario or out West.
2: All right, you ready for some trivia?
4: All right, let's 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 do it, Barry.
2: All right. Three major league players in history from Prince Edward Island. Any idea? Can you name one of the three that have played in the major leagues?
4: Vern Handerham.
2: Oh, he's got one. That was the easy one. That was the easy one.
4: Now the other two in the major leagues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm too sure. yeah.
2: yeah, it's because you got to you got to go back to the 19th century. Oh, dang. okay. So like the 18th. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George Wood and Henry Oxley. So next time you're home in PEI, go into the local library and look these two dudes up. But I'll have
4: to look those boys up.
2: Like, has it ever crossed your mind, or even your family's mind, what it would mean? for the province of pei or you know the east coast in general mm-hmm. you know to have you play in the major leagues i mean that's a pretty freaking big deal
4: yeah man it's it would uh it would be a, a feat that you know it would go down in history um you know it's it's a very long road um but you know if things happen where i get to make a debut then you know, it would be awesome for for the whole East Coast and, you know, kids growing up that, you know, they can see that somebody from from little OPEI did it and, you know, that can give them a little bit of motivation to say that they can do it someday.
0: So in your heart of hearts, you know, looking at your season, the season you're having, a lot of catchers, when they get to double A, they see that offense kind of fall off because they're working so hard on on the catcher-pitcher duties. You're hitting 300 at double a this year so in your heart of hearts when when talk turns to the major leagues what are what are you hoping for what's your timeline how long till you're going to crack that wall
4: geez it could be it could be years man um I really don't have a timeline to give you um yeah that's a pretty tough question (laughs) um you know I, I hope it's sooner than later but I really can't can't put a number on it you know just with with so many things happening and depth charts and, and injuries, you know, it, it maybe it, it could never happen, you know, it, more guys than not, it never happens. Right. Um, you know, so it's tough for me to put a number on it.
2: Don't <laughs> worry. Tom's going to put in a good word for you. Okay. he will right, make sure he'll, he'll, he'll make sure, sure it happens. Uh, when you left PEI and I know, cause my wife's from Newfoundland and I remember when she moved to Ontario from Newfoundland, it was very hard for her to get used to not waking up and seeing the ocean and just being on an island and having that lifestyle. How difficult was that for you to, like, and do you miss, how much do you miss PEI?
4: Oh, yeah, mean I miss it. I miss it like crazy, um, especially the summers. Uh, PEI summers are unmatched. They're, they're amazing. Um, so last summer, 2020, um, with, with the minor league season being canceled, I got to spend um, all summer. Uh, back home and it, it was great you know it wasn't you know a normal summer with restrictions and everything like that but it was still great to you know just wake up and go for a run on the beach or you know go fishing or whatever right it was just
2: how's your golf um, game you still playing got Better. It got better. nice
4: it got better um it was a summer where i actually got the golf quite a bit um you know, like a summer like this where we have one off day a week. It's not something that I get to do as much as I'd like to. Um, But, yeah, the golf game definitely improved last summer. Still not where I'd like it to be, but, you know, we'll take it step by step.
2: Tom, don't you picture Cole being like, remember Happy Gilmore, who was a hockey player? I picture Cole, like, starting his golf swing from a squat position and kind of just working his way as if he's throwing to second base and kind of in all honesty, I mean, there there are so many, you know, techniques and things that your body's used to. So when you're used to squatting as often as you are, how much does that throw your body off if you start playing golf on a regular basis? Or is it easy to adapt back and forth?
4: It's fairly easy to adapt. Um, you know, I'm one, of, I'm one of those guys where, you know, switching from a baseball swing to a golf swing, um, it doesn't mess anything up with me in terms of timing or rhythm. Um so yeah, it's, I make the transition pretty easily. It doesn't it doesn't mess with me at all.
0: See, I I took up golf after I stopped playing baseball for years, and now when I go back and play baseball, my baseball swing's absolutely destroyed. But yeah. coming into oh you know, bad, but it's it's awful. And you know, yeah, coming it was into twenty twenty,
2: good. It was never really good.
0: I will I will have you know. My coaches used to say my swing reminded them of John Olrud. No way. At the mm-hmm. age, at, when
2: yeah, but John Olerud at the age of 50. Not yeah, John Olerud yeah, the, today. Yeah. <laughs> not John but, Olerud of the Blue Jay years.
0: No, no. And it's, and it's, and it's, no, but it's awful now. So, like, I, I'm not even bragging about myself. Like, I, I go out with my kid and he just, he, he killed me the other day. He pitched to me for the first time. Yeah. And I couldn't touch it. He's got, he's got this nice little dip on his two seamer. I couldn't get anywhere near it. No but, way. Yeah. But, you know, sorry, to get back to, to, kind of more of the baseball thing um 2020 was a difficult year obviously spending a lot of time playing golf how was it coming back in 2021 was it was it the same this year as any other year or was it a much more difficult season to get into
4: um i think it was a little bit more difficult for me in particular just because um i couldn't get down to the states um any earlier to, you know, work out with with friends that were going to spring training as well. Uh, I kind of had to um, work with what I was given in, in PEI. Um, so it, getting into spring training, it was a little bit of a challenge to get back into the rhythm and seeing that caliber of pitching and, and, and you know, catching that caliber of pitching. Um, but, you know, once you know, your your two three weeks are are in for spring training, and you're ready to break camp. Um, you know, you're you're at that point. You're you're pretty ready to, to start playing games, and uh, you're getting eager, right? So it was uh, you know, it was a you know, a little bit of a harder um transition this year in 2021, but you know, we, we made it work.
2: Absolutely, you made it work. Okay, one last question. Growing up, were you a Blue Jays fan? You can come. I sure me. was. Okay, thank God. I was. Okay.
0: <laughs> Fa- <laughs> but- Favorite player.
4: Favorite player. You know, I always, I always loved the Blue Jays catchers. You know, it doesn't, it didn't really matter who it was, whoever was catching at the time. I was kind of a fan, like Rod Barajas or Molina or J.P. and Sevia. It really didn't matter for me. Um, and then Vernon Wells was always one of my favorite players growing up, too. Um, nice. Yeah, was, yeah, either either one of those dudes would, were, were awesome to watch. They were so fun.
2: You know, we've had a, a crap load of former Blue Jay catchers on this show, and one thing they all share is that when they decided to become a catcher, they knew that there was something a little bit disconnected up here because yeah. to, to do what, and I, growing up, I wanted to be a goalie, and everybody said, what are you, nuts? You're going to stand and have people fire these hard things at your body, and, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, are, are Have there been times where you've been squat down for a long time and you've taken another foul ball off your inside of the kneecap and you're thinking, why the hell am I a catcher? Yeah,
4: I contemplate uh, kind of that decision every <laughs> almost every other day. Um, You know, it's a tough position on the body, but, you know, I can't picture myself playing anywhere else. Um, I just feel like I'd be all bent out of shape if I was thrown at first base or out the outfield or something like that. I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Um, Yeah, I I don't know why I wanted to be a catcher ever since T-ball. When there was no, not even a catcher on the field, I'd wanted to. Put on gear and be a catcher. I don't know why, but that's just the way it's always been.
2: Well, if it weren't for the fact I was left-handed, I probably would have wanted to pursue that as well. It works as a goalie, but but definitely not as a catcher. So, well, listen, uh, this was a blast. Uh, okay, I'm gonna be I was planning to head to PEI uh, last summer, but then the COVID stuff happened. Gotcha. And my wife and I want to go and meet her family who are going to come from Newfoundland. So, if there's sure. one place that we have to see when we're in PEI, what is it?
4: one place
2: other than your, your house, of course.
4: Yeah. Other than, other than my head. Um, let's see. I would say you got to check out just one of the lobster suppers, um, you know, in new Glasgow, they have really good lobster supper, um, right by the water. Um, if that's what you guys are into, um, if you guys are into kind of the downtown scene, I would check out, uh, Victoria row. Uh, There's a really good strip of uh, restaurants and and bars. Um, It's awesome. In the summertime, it all gets lit up and there's live music. Um, And then I would uh, just check out all the beaches and stuff like that. You know, get get to the water, go to some lighthouses. Um, Those are really cool. Really cool to see. A lot of history.
2: Well, you you had us at music. Right, yeah. As you can see behind us, Tom and I are also musicians. So you work on getting us a gig out there for for our band and and you know we'll put in a good word to the tigers for you okay
4: yeah well my my dad's actually been a, a gigging musician on in pei for for the last four thirty thirty years so oh
0: wow um,
4: if you guys ever make it out there and see uh the band the boys in the kitchen be sure to check them out they That's play awesome. at the old, they play at the old dublin pub
2: and so if you are you musical off do you play any instruments? I do I,
4: I play i play the guitar as well and oh, i nice. do some, a little bit of live gigging myself whenever I go home with my uh, buddy Nolan Compton. So also nice. you can you can check him out. He's a very very good singer, young my age. Um, sings a lot of country and, and rock and and some Celtic stuff too. So me and him get together whenever I, I get home in the off season. We do a little bit of gigging. So
2: why didn't we start with that tom i don't, don't know,
4: know no care. If i don't know yeah. wow yeah, we, I, I seen i've seen the guitars in, in both your guys' backgrounds I was like yeah. dang, these guys are are musicians too
2: oh like, yeah tom and i uh, have got a couple of bands that we're in together and uh nice. you know, yeah we do music all the time so we are you know it's funny because i think every musician dreams of being a pro athlete and every pro athlete dreams of being <laughs> a, a professional musician there's always That's been this right. connection between sports and music and uh that's really cool. So, all right. Well, we'll we'll have to check out your dad uh, when we come out to PEI to play. We can open. We'll open for your dad. How about that? There you go. Yeah, there we there, go. That's,
4: that's perfect. And if,
2: if you're, you're ever looking for guitar, guitar lessons, lessons, Tom is like the best, best teacher the planet, on the planet, and he does it, it uh, remotely too. So,
4: perfect. There there go. Go. I offer a pitch it right there for you, Tom. There we. Go.
0: I, I offer it free to to all Blue Jays players and prospects. I think I can extend it to Detroit for You're a Canadian, Canadian player. So. So. Perfect. <laughs> that was great. Man.
2: Awesome. Cole, man, listen. Uh, what a pleasure meeting you. Uh, all the yeah, best as you too. make your as you make your way through the system, and can't wait to see you in the majors. And when you make it to the big leagues, promise me this: don't don't big league us. Remember us I won't. and say Never. I want to come Never. back on this guy's show for sure. Foundation Physiotherapy presents the medical room. There he is, our good pal, Raj Sapaya from Foundation Physiotherapy. Always great to, to see, see your positivity each and every week. Are we doing this now? Is this what we're doing? Okay. <laughs> Raj and I are, Barry, you're not allowed to yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You're too
5: old, Barry. You're too
2: old. I, I've been told that about many aspects. Do the, the, the,
5: this, this one. This one from, the, from the 60s or the 50s when, when you were a kid. There we go.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Gentlemen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The Blue Jays have made some trades over the last little while and one of the ones that was very curious for many was that a deal that included Corey Dickerson coming to the Blue Jays. Now, Corey Dickerson's a fantastic ball player, he's had a great pass, but he comes to the team already injured and the injury that they're telling us, Raj, is a foot contusion. Now, if I was to put that in layman's terms, I'd say he's got a bruise, he's got a boo-boo on his foot. Why would something like this be an injury that would cause a baseball player to not play? Well, actually,
5: um, you know, it, it is a contusion, but the contusions are, are different based on the bones that are affected, right? So, the foot, if you think about it, um, is actually made up of all these small little bones. Uh, so, there's smaller bones. There's a lot of blood vessels in the feet as well, right? Because uh, the feet are like, you know, that's why we're more, more ticklish, let's say, in our feet than maybe like our, you know, shoulder or something like that. Uh, it's just because we've got blood vessels, not a lot of muscle structure around it, so it's not the most protected structure. Uh, so a bone bruise can be more significant given that the density of the bones are thinner and that there's just more smaller bones in the area. So, and there's more exposed blood vessels as, the, as well. So, you know, it is a, I would say, even though, yes, it's just a contusion because it's the foot, it's likely going to be a little bit longer of a recovery. Um, and then obviously for an athlete, uh, you need your foot. You, 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 know, that's how else are you going to train or what else are you going to do. You can't really be off your foot, uh, you know, so you, you, there's gonna be an expected longer recovery time, given that it's an injury to the foot.
0: You know, it's something that a lot of people don't understand about bases in baseball. I played, you know, I played fast pitch growing up here in Canada. I know lots of people who play baseball. My son plays baseball, I've coached baseball, but it wasn't until I stepped onto a major league field a couple (laughs) of years ago during a Blue Jays event, that I realized these are tiny little granite death rocks <laughs> that are right in the field.
2: And Can't use that as an excuse, Tom. They haven't played there in two and a half years. Well, yeah, but no matter where you are in the
0: major leagues,
2: they're like, hey, how you doing? Let's dive into this pillar, this
0: tiny short pillar. And and in this particular, this is this poor guy. And I've got two questions about the injury, but we'll get to those later. What I want to know is, you know, That massive amount of speed running to that base, that stomp down in cleats on a hard, sharp surface. How many injuries a year, Barry, do we hear about? Raj, how bad an impact does that have? Just that jamming down onto that sharp, hard surface cumulatively for these players. Of course. I mean, uh, like, they're doing movements that most of us don't normally do. Right. And they're doing
5: it at speeds and at power that we don't normally do, even less like the, 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 the that it's going from that fast run to that quick sudden stop and then that take off again. Right. There's a lot of power that's driven through their foot. Um, and so you can imagine the amount of energy that's in the foot, and then you have that energy with some sort of impact on it, uh, whether it's another player stepping on it or or some other injury, you're you're bound to get like a larger type of Injury to that area or a more severe injury, just given give the amount of force that's happening through that area. So, for sure, like it's going to be, and that's why I think the recovery is going to be longer as well because they need the foot to be so involved. It's not just let's just go back for a walk, let's just do a sprint, let's go for a run. You know, you need to be able to power off the foot quickly. Um, you know, for the most part, you almost treat baseball players like sprinters out of it, right? They have to sprint, so there's a lot of power that's driven from the Achilles of the foot in order to do that movement.
2: I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I have quite a bit of experience running the bases myself at two years of fantasy camp. He made contact? Base running's terrible.
5: Oh my gosh, it took two days to get to first. It took about seven seconds to get down the line.
2: And not once did I ever have any issues running. Well, I mean, if anyone saw me run, they'd realize that the speed that I was running at was very slow. So, that probably has something to do with it, right? So, what I'm getting at is that anybody that's my age that's playing beer league baseball, there probably isn't the same danger of doing that.
5: 100%. And you're, because you're, you're also not, your forced consumption, your force is not as much as that of a player's, right? Um, it's know, close. But, <laughs> close. Close, close. <laughs> just about 5% <laughs> off, right? Just about 5% off, right? Um, and obviously, there's so much more contact in the, Professional because there's more, there's more at stake. For us, we both know both teams are going out and have a drink after, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: there's way more at stake in the professional league. So, you know, the more stakes is more risk. So I I said I had two questions about this injury. The first question I have is, and, and it's one that I always bring up, and you can probably answer pretty quickly, is is a contusion, or 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 essentially a bruise like this, is it something that can lead to other problems down the road for this guy?
6: I, I
5: that's a good question. Uh, unlike like muscular strains and sprains, I don't think so. Um, you know, he'll he'll rec- he's going to have a period of rest. That's why he's in a walking boot because uh, he needs to be off the foot, but he still he's able to walk. So they put him out of these air cast boots, and so that it doesn't. Put weight on it. Uh, he'll probably just going to do a lot of recovery work on it, let the inflammation calm down, uh, but likely because it was not muscle or ligament damage, he'll be, you know, he'll have that strength and power. It's just about letting the bones heal so that there's blood flow back into the
0: area. And so my second question is, what is the worst bruise as a therapist you've ever seen?
5: What's the worst bruise? I mean, I, I think, uh, you, you know, where I think the three biggest areas for, you know, simply like bruising is going to be in the foot, in the hand, and in the face. Um, you know, and it's essentially looking at areas that have a lot of high blood flow, right? Uh, the more sensitive the area, the more like nerves that are in the area, that's likely where the bruise is going to affect us more. I mean, I've seen some nasty bruises, but I would say the more painful ones are probably having in those areas, like the, the hand, the foot, and the face.
2: Admit it, Raj. When Tom's foot was at its worst, if he came to see you and he said, what do you think of this? You'd probably go, oh, God, no.
5: <laughs> right? Uh, I'm a professional. I might just do it after. All
2: right. Uh, guys, I'd love to stay and chat a lot longer, but we have to run. And thankfully, all of us can. Well, oh, two of I'm us sad. can. Raj, Is take that care. Is bruise
5: on your face, Barry? Oh, no, <laughs> it's
2: just your face. <laughs> Sadly, there's no recovery time for that. <laughs> Yeah, this is all going to be sorry, edited right? out.
5: Not, now that we have a, <laughs> a answer, I need
2: to go. <laughs> because there, there always is danger that this could get a lot worse, too, Raj. <laughs> yeah. So you're
1: right. Take care and
2: edit it out. Next week, Raj, we'll talk to you. Over this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he should because he's got to stick up for his pitcher. He's got to stick up for his first baseman. This could be two games in a row. But they called Bobble.
6: Pitch that certainly appeared to be outside. Again, a bit of a late call, and now John Gibbons gets tossed out. End the game.
1: You know what? Man? I think it's Jim You gotta take this. You gotta take it.
2: Gibby's protecting his players. You gotta just take it. You don't throw him out of the ball game. Well, he is back again for another round. Former Toronto Blue Jays manager, John Gib- Gibby, are you still are you still scouting? Yes. <laughs> okay. So was this was this your first draft as a scout?
1: Well, you no. Know, well, you know, well, last year they had like a, a real. Uh, how many rounds did they do last year? It was kind of a. Anyway, last year I, I went out for about a month, and then uh, COVID hit. They yanked everybody off the road, and I was traveling around the country. You know, some spots. Look at some of the better players. They 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 like the Braves like. And then, of course, then, then that hit and that, that was done. And then this year, you know, I, I saw probably about five or six guys a couple of times each, but that's been kind of the, the limit of it, you know? Um, but you know, and it's, uh, it's good to see, good to see some baseball things, you know, around here, I don't know necessarily know how everything is up there. I mean, you would never know that, you know, that there's still like, you know, COVID still around and whatever. I mean, T- Texas is functioning pretty, pretty normally, you know, in, and, and, uh, but there's still limitations. I know different organizations, you know, are still mon- you know, are still cutting or holding or cutting back some certain areas. So, but yeah, I would say if they had the draft the other day, I don't think any of my guys got drafted. But.
0: <laughs> Do you know of the players that the Braves took Are is there anyone that looks particularly exciting?
1: You know, I, I don't know. You know, that's, that's the thing. They, they sent me, they sent me out to look at about five or six different guys and, when I say the, the Braves didn't take them, but, they're, you know, there's a, Detroit took a couple of them. And, uh, uh, so, but the other guys, the guys the Brave took, Braves took, no, I didn't see any of those. That's the thing. You know, they're, they're top scouts and everything like that. You know, are the Braves top scouts? You know, they go and see everybody, even through all this. So, so they're the guys that have, you know, they know what they're comparing everything to. So,
0: so John, I'm not sure if you know, but Barry's been uh, doing car sales for Honda. And like with a car salesman, thank if he you goes very much couple, for the plug. Absolutely, I might buy a car
1: from if he sold Ford.
0: Oh, it's it, it's Honda. Sorry, but uh, or or you he know, lived in Ontario. Yeah, but when Barry goes to work, if he if he goes to work a couple of weeks and he doesn't sell a car, he starts hearing it from his boss, right? So as a scout, are you getting phone calls? Like, did you get a phone call after the draft? And go, Gibby, like we didn't take a single one of your guys. You gotta gotta send us better guys for next year.
1: Well, yeah, well I, you know, I, I yeah, no, but I would tell them, well, three or four, or five years from now, when these guys make it or, or they don't make it, you, well, you, should, you probably figure out you should have listened to them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, but, see, me. So there's,
1: there's always that little time frame, you know, you got a little buffer in this sport when it comes to you know the, the young kids.
2: Well, speaking of young kids, Gibby, uh, a lot of those young kids that you saw. Uh, in 2015 2016 2017 are now all-stars I mean you and I both saw Vladdy when he was first signed by by the Blue Jays and he was just a 16 year old kid hitting bombs you know we saw you know the development of Bo Bichette uh, how nice is it to see what's happening with these kids right now
1: yeah you know Barry you know what the yeah it's Number one, they're they're all very talented, you know, and they're and they're really, it's all it's all starting to come together for them. But you know, the, the what a couple of those you mentioned right there, you know, they're good guys. You know what? You know the guys you like being around, the guys you you pull forward, and uh, you know I saw that home run Blatty hit the other night, and you know I got uh, I got asked a couple of times over the last couple of years. You know, I think some people were complaining, or, or not necessarily complaining, but they were wondering what's wrong with Vladdy. Is he's not going to be this that? And in and, and, and my comment was always, you know what, just leave the kid alone. You know, everybody, everybody in in baseball thinks this kid, this kid's a real deal. That doesn't happen too often. And not, and there's too many good, smart baseball people out there to be wrong, right? But it takes, but it does take a little time. Say, but what, where I think you run into trouble now. The kid maybe struggle a little bit uh, just because it's the big leagues and they, you know, they have all the info on them. They might pitch him a certain way or he's got to make adjustments. But sometimes then we start, start to overcoach Think because our is a coach, you got to coach. No, sometimes those, those really good ones, just get the hell out of the way. Understand that you're in a rebuilding mode and just let him go play. Make sure he's in the lineup every stinking day and throw him out there. You know what? And the really good ones like this kid, they'll figure it out. Now, you, you know, you do your drills. I mean, they all have little – things they do to make you know their swing right and all that and they they know that and then the coaches know that do those stuff and you know what uh, get the hell out of the way man because uh because all we can really do is screw them up guys like that you know and then of course bo bo's really you know you got oh, good bloodlines you know but they got a good young talented team you know you still but you still got a pitch you still got to catch it i can remember and uh and i couldn't even tell you how they're doing as far as that goes but i can remember in 15 remember the teams we had we could mm-hmm. hit with anybody but we couldn't catch it. We had the uh, Calabello and Valencia playing left field and we had guys all out of position. And Reyes was playing shortstop, balls balls were trickling through. So we had outscore you most nights, but we were still a five hundred team because we didn't play defense. And then of course, you know, the big trade deadline and Tulowitzki really short up the infield and Ben Revere out there and it made all the difference in the world. So yeah, but they got a good young team. They in uh, they surrounded with the right kind of guys like they're trying to do. Um
2: you know, they should be good for a while. And yet, it's so interesting that these young players are tearing it up. The Jays' offense is is just phenomenal. Yet fans, many fans, still cannot go a day without saying that Charlie Montoyo is the worst manager in Blue Jays' history, which is good because that means it's no longer you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's this, though? Yeah, and, hey,
1: hey, hey, suck on that, Charlie.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. But... Can you, can you for that, a sec- Oh, yeah, I do remember that well. Can you for a minute though kind of feel for what Charlie's going through because as a manager, if the team wins 10 in a row, it has nothing to do with you. And if there's one pitching change that happens that does not work out, it's all of a sudden on the manager. And and it's amazing that it doesn't matter where the team is in the standings, what talent is there, the manager gets it so much like is this something that y- of all the things about being a manager, this is the thing that you probably miss the least: is the fact that you get blamed for everything.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. But you know, Barry, going in, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it, uh, uh, I will say though, my time in Toronto, I found out that the fans, the fans love the players, man. You know, there was kind of they were a lot of the players were hand, it was hands off. You know, they could do no wrong, and naturally, it's always been that you know they they go after the. Uh, you know, they go after the manager or the or the front office. You know that's just kind of you know, that's kind of the way it works. So you know if you can't handle and take that, you know you're in trouble. But yeah, there was many times I wanted you know I wanted to you know stick it to somebody if I could have, but I couldn't. You know, and it's like you know pay hey, wake up, pay attention. You know, uh, go beat on somebody else for a while. But you know what? That's when you get frustrated. In uh, you know, but that's uh, you know your job really as a manager. You got you got to take the heat, and the bullets for the guys and. Um, you know, get out of the way when things are going good. And that's, uh, you know, if you, because in reality, if, if, if all you worry about is getting the accolades and the team real good and say, well, this is Gibbons, this is Montoya, this is whoever's uh, Tosca's, they're the key to this thing. You know, if that's what you're looking for, you know, it's, you, you ain't going to hang around long anyway. And, and, and it's mm-hmm. and, and baseball is so different. A lot of sports, is. I've always said this, is not necessarily X's and O's, like, say, football or something, right? It's really getting the guys to play. They're out there every day, getting the most out of running the pitching staff. So, you know, it's uh, it's not. I mean, we've kind of tried to turn it into rocket science, but it's still, really not rocket science. And uh, sometimes your best hey, get them, get them in the right frame of mind. Get, make sure they're ready to play. Throw them out there every night and get 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 the hell out of the way. Sometimes because you know, like it, it's always been in the sport of baseball when you play 162 games or how many it is. The best teams win. And there might be a little aberration. You know, you might get a couple teams that overachieve in a particular year, you might get a couple teams that underachieve. But everybody finds their level and it's how the best teams win. That's there's no secret about that.
0: One of the I guess criticisms of your time in Toronto, and I think it was pretty unfounded. What, what? Yep. criticisms of Gibby? But there were I know. But it, it's 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 ironic because one of the things that you got knocked for occasionally was a lack. Of reliance on the numbers, right, and a focus on the fundamentals and the intangibles, and now we're here with poor Montoyo, and one of the things that he really gets knocked <laughs> on is taking pictures out too early because he's going by the numbers. So, you know, does there is there a sweet spot that that every manager has to try and hit, or is there like? Is there like a far end of the spectrum where you can just run your game from the office by the numbers and you don't ever actually have to make a decision?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could do that. I think that's kind of the way they, they they want to do it nowadays. They want you know the front office would be glad to make some you know the decisions for you. Eventually, there's I'm sure there'll be uh, an analytics guy be named manager. You know, that's kind of we'll see. Yeah. I can, you know I think I got a bum rap that I was anti analytics, which which is so untrue. No, I didn't get carried away like some guys did, and, and uh, they gave me the flexibility to to run it the way I, I felt necessary, you know, or felt that I, I felt the best about. And then, you know, of course, then you know, which is good about that is I, I live with the results, you know, and I'm held accountable for the results. But but we were doing analytics, kind of analytics. Well, baseball to begin with, baseball's always been numbers. Every every they can say what they want. Every manager has been looking at numbers from day one. That's how you form lineups. That's how you, you know that's how we acquire. But, you know, maybe you're looking at the number a little bit differently, but it's just such a stat-oriented game. It always will. You know, you look at all the record books and all that. But, but analytics, we were doing some of that back in the early 2000s before some. You know, before it became like the thing. You know, like Moneyball. Yeah, we played Troy Gloss at shortstop, and we had a uh, a few times and we had a fly ball pitcher on the mound. Right. You know, that was before anybody was doing it. So we obviously we weren't so uh, too anti. You know, uh, we have hit, we hit Batista leadoff spot. You know, the premier home run hitters in the game—that's kind of unusual. You know, and we, we did some, we did some things in, in the. So you know, I don't buy that. It's, uh, but I will say this: I do. I you know go to my grave with this. You know, you you're, these guys aren't robots. You know, you're you're dealing with the human element. You know, and on any given night. You know that guy may be on. If he's a pitcher, he may be on. He may be having the game of his life. You know what? So if the numbers tell you you're supposed to yank him here, it's a big, big mistake because this is this is his night. You know, you got to you, know, you just got to be able to recognize that, right? Or you know the same way with the hitter. He may be having a huge night. You know, maybe a guy that you normally platoon or you pin, you might pinch hit for. Now this might be his night. So so many things dictate. And going back to the pitcher, pitcher sometimes you got to let those guys pitch because you know what? If they ain't pitching, who's pitching? The bullpen. Now you end up killing those guys. And then as the season wears on, they're 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 done. Now you don't have anybody else to fill their spots. And, you know, the, the season uh, implodes in the, well, okay, maybe I should let the guy start to throw a little bit more, you know, because he wasn't too bad.
2: You know, we had uh, Wardo on last week, and, and Dwayne was saying that, you know, we've come to a point now where pitch, there's not going to be starting pitchers and relief pitchers. There's just going to be pitchers. And guys are going to be paid by the performance because why should – a guy get $20 million to pitch four innings a start, right? And it's really changed. And, you know, when you see a starter out there and he's cruising along, it kills me inside when I see the manager go pull him from a game simply because, okay, it's the third time he's seen the order. Well, the guy, like, when when you were managing, how much did you use the eye test? I mean, I remember Jack Morris saying, the manager knows when I'm done. He can tell by looking at me he doesn't need to look at analytics. Was that how you kind of looked at, did you do a lot of that gut feeling and just knowing like Burley's looking great. Why am I taking him out? Because he's throwing hundred pitches.
1: Right. Well, yeah. You know, some of it, so much of it's common sense, you know, I mean, yeah. You know, the one of the big numbers like you talked about now is the third time through the lineup. Well, you know, you kind of, you always kind of knew that. I mean, you can, you can, you can always tell, I mean, whether you had the actual number or not, you knew if he, especially if he's not like you know, if you're your top dogs, they don't quite struggle the third time through, like the average Joe, right, or the less than average. Okay, so you kind of know that that's that's who these guys are. You know, they get up to a certain number of pitches or in that whatever that range is, they run out of gas, they run out of steam. You know, and that's kind of maybe they're not physically as strong or their stuff stuff's just not as good. That's just fact.
2: You know, so it's going to drop off and, and uh, they're vulnerable. I mean, that's- but you can see that. You don't need. To look at a computer to tell you that. And there's going to be a night where a guy who normally, you know, can't face the order the third time through is just cruising. And as a manager, you've got to make that decision, right? Not based on what the books say, but what your eyes are telling you. Right.
1: I mean, if the guy's getting the guy
2: out, let him go, you know, because, you know,
1: like all of us have been around baseball so long. I mean, you, 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 you know that there's certain nights, it's just your night. You know, in uh, it's like, or like, even like a hitter gets on the, gets on those rolls, you know, the hitting streaks or whatever. They're just rolling and you ask them what's going on. First of all, they don't want to tell you to curse it, but they don't know. It's just, you know what? You get things just sometimes happen that way in baseball. Good, good, uh, uh, momentum rolls start happening just like the bat, but the, they happen that way, the bad side too. Same way with the pitcher, you know. Like Earl Harsheiser, when he said that, you know, the uh, scoreless inning streak type thing. You know what? Okay. Is he that good? Probably not. I mean, because how many guys have done that? But you know what? I mean, things, things broke his way. You know I mean? These things just happened for whatever reason. He's good. He was top, one of the top of the game. But everything just fell in place. And you're thinking, okay, why is that? Nobody knows. It's just, you know, some things happen. So, so, so when things are going good, Sometimes you gotta roll with it, man. And, and what I think happens is the baseball guys maybe start screwing around like that and get too smart. The baseball guys punish you. But I will say one thing too that, and I saw it happen a few times to me personally, and I saw it on the other side. When you get a let's, let's talk about a pitcher. When you got a pitcher out there and he's, he's rolling, he's cruising. Maybe okay, he's getting up there in pitches. He might be a little fatigued, but he's still pretty good, right? And he's and he's getting guys out. And it's getting later in the game. and Yeah, you run through your mind. If it's, 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 something happens and, and we got to take him out, you see, so you're prepared. But you take this guy, you all of a sudden you just take him out because you think, well, maybe he looks tired or maybe the analytics say, well, you know, third, fourth, whatever, whatever it is. I have to take him out. You go out there and it's almost like you can look in the other dugout. And it's like, it's like, you could can, you can, you can, they're, they're saying, oh, yeah, and they're saying, thank you very much. So i say, hey, asshole, thank you very much. And then what happens? And now it flips. It's like the baseball gods hurt them. Now it flips. And now these—I don't care how good the guy you bring in. You know these guys can now they can relax and say, "Thanks, God, he, nice move, Skip. You brought this guy in." Now, now the other team—they just go boom. They—they—they they, they explode for whatever reason. You see that happen. I mean, and uh, so sometimes you do—you do that other team a favor when you think you're actually trying to do your team a favor.
2: Did you think you would ever live through a time? When a pitcher would be pulled from a game while throwing a no hitter and is not injured? No, I know it. No, come on, you, you can't, you can't mess, you can't see, you can't mess with.
1: Like I said again, the baseball gods, baseball history. I, you know what? I ain't got enough guts to do that. You know, like, you know Because the, these guys, you know they they, they want to throw no hitter, right? The fans want to see it. Historically, it's a it's a big deal. So. Um, you know, not if this guy's got a, a long injury history. You know, maybe you might, at least you might, you're might, you going to think about it. But gosh, gosh, I don't want to see this guy get hurt. You know? But that's rare. I mean, that doesn't happen. I know this had some guys with blisters and things like that. But it this way, I'd have a hard time taking a guy out. You know, and I'd be very shocked and I'd be very disappointed if the guy wanted to come out. We'll put it that way. But the game's kind of the, the thinking on both sides, uh, the coaching and front office side, as well as the players, has definitely changed.
0: It seems like we're getting drawn into that, into this like specialty pitching, specialty roles. They, they, they implemented a rule this year, you know, no more one batter pitchers. And, and that seemed to kind of, to ease things up a a little bit, but we've definitely been trending towards shorter and shorter appearances. Is this something in your opinion that hopefully might cycle back in in years ahead? Like.
1: Yeah, I I hope so. You know, I mean, even when, even, you know, when I was there towards the end in, in the, you know, basically, all your, your bullpen guys will turn into all one inning guys. You know, even some of you'd ask, "Hey, you got? We need you to give us a couple more outs," or and they can't do it. You know, so the, so what they do is they just come in there, and throw as hard as they can for an inning, right? That's all that they. Then it becomes that's all that's expected of them, and that's really all physically they can do, I think, and that's why you get such the high radar gun readings because all, they they air it out, man, for whatever you know how many pitches they're going to throw twenty pitches, fifteen, whatever, and um so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, and it's not even a, I mean, it's just like, you know, nothing adds up either. You know, the, you know, the commissioners and the baseball people, well, the games take too long. Okay. So what are we going to do? we put in a replay and uh, where you you got, everybody's got 30, 45 seconds to review something before they even challenge or whatever. I thought we were worried about the length of games, you know, and then, uh, you know, just, just the, just then, all the pitching change because all these guys can all they can do is, you know, okay, I get it. Th- three pitchers, I mean, you gotta face three pitchers, but then, you know, I I, I never believe you don't, don't mess with a game. You know, it's been a great game forever, right? You know, and if, if you want, if you want, I think if you want to solve it, you know, you, when you're worried about that stuff like that, increase your roster size. You know what? Okay, what is it, 25? 20? 20, is it still 25? I don't even know. 26, bump it up to 30. You know, now you can carry them extra guys, right? Now your bullpen's done, get beat to hell because you know you got some other guys to throw, but they ain't, they're not gonna do that because it costs too much money and salaries and all the other things. So it's sometimes it's so much like we talk out both sides of our mouth in this business. You know, and then we well the games take too long. Well, okay, then don't put in an instant replay or don't, you know, whatever. You know, it's like So anyway. But yeah, I, I, I hope we
3: cut you know,
1: it's it's just it's yeah, nobody likes this, you know, sometimes you do have to make pitching changes because you try to win a game. I mean you I mean, but but if every night, if every, every, you know, if every if everything's dictated to you that hey, I got to change this, got to take this guy out at a certain time, you know, like, I I I was a little bit embarrassed sometimes with some of the you know the some of the, some of the things I was listening to, you know.
0: I love talking about all the rule changes in the game. There's one I need to ask you about. I'd love to know your opinion. Runner on second to start extra innings.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I'm going to tell you, I haven't seen a game, though, where that's been implemented Where actually, I've actually watched on TV where I've seen it, you know, an extra innings Games that I've seen like go extra in well, that term off, I think, because games are too long, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but it's like, yeah, come on. I mean, really, we don't mess with the game. The game, like I said a while ago, is, is pretty good. It's always been good. Just, just, just leave it alone. Now, now you're messing with statistics. You're messing with this, this the history of the game, all that. It's like, too, I said, don't, you don't, you don't need to change the slide rule at second base because somebody got clocked, right? You know what? It happens. You don't need to change the, the slide rule at home plate because somebody got hurt. You know what? Guys get hurt. Tell you, if you don't like it, tell your catcher, don't block the plate. The other team block the catcher. You don't care. Block the plate, save the run. You know what i It's like, we, we uh, you know, we they start changing these things for, for what, you know, what the games, I don't think, I don't, I don't think there's such a long, there's so many guys getting, uh, losing their careers because of severe injuries. I mean, that's happening that often where you need to change the whole game and, and things like that, you know, what the heck, why don't you just instead of starting a guy at second base, why don't you just flip a coin then, you know, flip a coin, you know.
2: <laughs> Gibby, I don't know if you were around, but the Blue Jays opened the season one year in Cleveland and the first game i want to say went like 17 innings and then the day after that there was another long like it was just two long days of baseball and that times like that are the times i say okay i'm fine with the guy starting at second base or, do you do you find like even as a a manager i'm curious cuz as as a fan and as a media guy You don't want the game to go nine, 10, and then 11. It's like, oh, come on, 12. But then once it gets to 13, 14, 15, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is cool. This is history. But I'm thinking, as a manager, and you're throwing Ryan Goins out to pitch an inning, you're probably saying, yeah, this is not fun.
1: No, no, yeah. You never want to have to do that. That's why I say increase the roster size. You don't fit in perfect in this day and age, right? Yeah, you hate those, you know, that's kind of the beauty of baseball. You know, I mean, Part of winning some things, you take cup you have two teams of similar talent that, that they're just, you know, basically just as good as each other. You know, sometimes the schedule, whether not they might have had a little bit tougher schedule than a normal schedule, you know, they may have played, they may have played extra, more extra any the games. They may have done that. And it takes a little bit of to, a toll on the team, more so than the other team. And that's just, and then after 162 games, maybe that's what made the difference and helped this other team. That's just kind of the beauty of, of the sport, you know, I mean, just kind of. Deal with what's thrown at you. We don't have a stop. We don't have a clock. You know, and, and uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's rough, especially with the weather's crap. And, but what generally, what happens when those games start going long, you, you know, from a manager or coaching standpoint, is you know what? You know, you, somebody's going to have to get sent down. You know, you're going to have to get some reinforcements in because you're going to need some arms. You know, that's kind of what, what messes with you. And, um, you know, and if you got an older team, you know, their, their bodies, you know, they, they're going to be a little bit more banged up. And it might might linger for an extra few days and that might affect you. So there's a lot of, a lot of things to weigh in, but that's just the game of baseball, man. Go out and play it. You know? And, and, uh, and it, it got, we're all getting paid a lot of money to go do it, so what the hell? Yep.
2: Gibby, uh, just before we bring in our studio audience, I, I'm just curious to know what you thought of uh, this past week. Uh, Liam Hendricks, who, by the way, God, that dude is just on fire and I'm really happy to see him doing as well as he's doing. And uh, I mean, you, you managed him for a while as well. Uh, he had some pretty uh, venomous words to uh, t- about Josh Donaldson and, you know, he never, it's, you know, he was pretty clear. He was, he's never been a fan of him personally, loves him as a player, but not personally as a manager. First of all, are you ever aware of things like that going on in the clubhouse? And if you are, do you just stay out of it?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I'm, you're, you're aware of most things, you know. Uh, somebody, Were you aware of this? Uh, no, I didn't, know. I didn't even, I wouldn't even wear any, any of that, I didn't, you know, but, you know, Josh has kind of mark man in the game, a lot of guys don't like Josh, you know, a lot, a lot of reasons because Josh is really good and he beats you and things like that, and, he, and he's very vocal, you know. I didn't, I, I didn't know Liam said that, I, that shocks me that coming at Liam, but you know, he's an all-star now. I mean, so things that, but he, and, and I tip my hat to him, he's, he's done a great job of turning, really turning his career around, but uh, yeah, I think, you're, you're
2: I aware. think Josh, sorry, Gabby, I think Josh Donaldson calling out pitchers as cheaters probably has rubbed a lot of pitchers the wrong way anyway. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. That's yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah that's kind of, you know, that's kind of
1: what makes the game even a little more interesting and fun. Sometimes, you know, you get you get guys battling out, popping off at each other and just kind of, it just kind of revs up the temperature a little bit, you know, and, uh, and, and it makes for good drama, you know, uh, yeah, was when uh, I remember when when Josh came out and said something about Cole, and then the Yankees were going to Minnesota to play, and didn't he punch him out a couple first couple times or whatever? Josh might have hit a home run late for that that series to win a game or tie a game in the ninth. But it's just kind of okay, you know. That's build up Now, all right, he just, he just I tip my hat to Josh. You pop, he, you're going to pop off when when they're coming to town. You know, that's the way you're going to do it. That's the way you do it. Not not when you're not going to see this team the rest of the year. So and then you know, so kind of creates a little drama, a little more extra excitement. You know, everybody's focused on that. But you know, when when there's tension in, in the conflict in your in your clubhouse, and you know, if it gets to the point, or you're worried that you know it's going to disrupt things, or it's going to you know boil over, and you know the guys go might throw some go to fisticuffs or whatever, you got to do sure. something about
2: it. Shea Hillebrand, <laughs>
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah, okay. But you know. <laughs> You know, when you're around each other every stinking day and these guys got such different personalities, you know, it's right like being around your family every day. You know, you're going to get, you're going to get, there's going to be tension. You're going to get tired of some of the things somebody else is doing. And, and so much, too, depends on how the team's doing. The team's winning, playing good. You know, it, it's, it's a great clubhouse. When, when, they, when the team's struggling, and you stink. It's been a bad year. You know what? Uh, the clubhouse is out of control. The manager's not doing his job. It all depends on how the score is. But you have to do, you have to keep a, Keep an eye on that kind of stuff, just to you know, to keep things from getting out of control. Well, I but I will now. say this: sometimes, you, hey, like we're talking about Josh, right? Sometimes your most volatile players are your best players in the game. You know, they wear it on their sleeve; they're emotional. And that's what makes that's what makes them how good they are. It's like Batista, Jose. Jose. When I say Josh was probably the most disliked in the game, Jose was. They're battling out for one and two, and for the same reason. You know, they both showed up to play. They both great competitors. They're both best players in the game. But they were, they were emotional. You know, they let they let you know it and they fight for themselves and they fight for their team. And that, that did piss a lot of guys off. But a lot of it was too because they were the some of the premier players in the game and, and naturally got a lot of guys don't like those guys.
2: But have you ever have you ever seen a player be able to turn that anger into home runs like Jose Bautista was? Because it seemed like you piss Jose off as the pitcher. He's going to hit a home run off you, and there are not very many players that can do that, Gibby. No,
1: I know. it. Yeah, I, I, how many times did Ozzie do it? We got drilled, or they throw the ball behind him, and you get yeah. yeah, and, and and sure enough, man, then he they he, he take them suckers deeper. He do something, and go, how does he do it? Because that that is that is rare. You know, it's like uh, uh, I don't know, it's some guys that they get ball thrown behind them, or they get drilled, they get distracted. Or they get so angry they lose focus or whatever. it is And not Hosey, man. He just, you know, and them suckers, man. They throw a pitch somehow. And you get to it and burn them. And that's kind of the ultimate. Okay, because there was a, there was there was a few times. Hosey knew he probably was going to get hit or drilled or thrown at whatever. He knew it, so no. you know he just he just kind of dealt with. It. He wasn't necessarily a guy that's going to go charge him out. He'd take his, he take his take his medicine.
2: You've been on this program many times before, but uh, we're now going to give you the opportunity to uh, to chat with your fans, Gibby. They still love you in Toronto, okay? They Uh, still love you in Toronto, and we're going to bring on some people here for you right now, and uh, they're going to uh, be able to chat with you. And let's go. So we've we've got Paul, we've got Fiona, and two faces that you remember very well, Sue and John. Ah, we're (laughs) it. Well why don't we, we'll leave you guys to the end. Okay. Let's begin with uh, Fiona and Fiona. Let me get your audio going here. And uh, Fiona,
1: is
3: that from, uh, what's we call
2: Shrek. Shrek. That's <laughs> a great name. I
3: remember that. Oh, <laughs> <thank you. laughs> Hi, Fiona. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. My question's about uh, catching actually. Um, as a former catcher, do you have any opinion on the guys who are going down on one knee? To, to catch, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh,
1: yeah, that used to be a no-no. You know, well, I'll put it this way: if, if a guy was on base, you know, they would say, "No, don't, don't do it," because you know what? Yeah, uh, in case the guy steals a base, base starts running, you know, he, he he can't get up off the ground. That was that was always his thinking. There, or uh, you know, some, some guys when nobody on base, they get down that knee because, may you know, they're they're that much closer to the ground if they need a block of pitch. And let's say this pitcher throws a lot of you know uh balls you know low, low pitches and he gets a lot of bouncing balls or uh you know some early that you they, catchers would do it if they needed to uh give the pitcher a lower target you know some guys are just big big body guys and the only way they get down real low to get that target is get down on the knee but yeah i, I can uh, i don't ever remember, really ever remember seeing back when i was playing do that because the coach would say hey get up, get what are we doing here you know if this guy runs what are you gonna be able to but i have seen that now and it's a kind of it's and i always thought maybe well you know the game the 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 stealing bases and all that kind of stuff it's kind of really disappeared a lot in the game i don't know how much is coming back if if at all but so you know the kind of the players aren't running but you know you also don't move as well in that position so i would think more balls get by but I gotta believe it's. I don't think it's because they're necessarily they're tired. But I will say this quick, quick story. I don't want to drag this out too long. The first time when I, my first job in Toronto, I got I hired. I was a bullpen catcher, right? This was 2002, was it? Yeah. And uh, not the bullpen coach, the bullpen catcher, like Anthopolis is now. So uh, uh, no, Andropolis. What did I say? Anthopoulos. He's down there. He's my <laughs> boss. <laughs>
6: what to the
1: say? They're both Greeks, man. You know. So. So he hires me in the J.P. the GM hired me, so so I took the job and I told him though I said, listen, I had I was I hadn't played in ten years, I hadn't been down to squatting position in ten years. I don't think I could do it. He said, well, give it a try. So the first day in spring training, I go down there. You know, the bullpen catcher catches and helps these guys out in spring training. The first time I got down there to catch a pitcher, my knee blew up. You know. And it like well so the next now at the end of that day I can't even walk, you know, and I'm thinking, now I'm the only bullpen catcher in the game that can't catch and all the catchers are pissed at me and all that. So my point is I said I I gotta get the job done so I can go down on that one knee. Just so yeah, I can Maybe you should
2: them. have gone down on two you should have gone down on two knees. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. But there was nobody on base and I wasn't in a game, so
2: I got away with it, you know. See, I have a fantastic idea and I think this would be a great way to make catchers last much longer in the game and so much less pain. Give them a little stool. How about that? Imagine how long your career would have lasted, Gibby. Had they given you, like, a little stool to sit on? Oh, yeah. I heard Johnny Bench did that during, uh,
1: during Seriously? spring training. In, bat- in batting practice. You know how catchers get back there? They hate to do it, but they yeah. got to catch live batting practice at the beginning of spring. And yeah, they said Bench used to get there. Maybe he was in the bullpen or both. Not during the games, but he, they put a little bench, a little... little uh,
2: Stool down there and sit on that second. Wow, Fiona, thank you so. Yes, Uh Fiona, thank you so much. And we're gonna bring in uh Paul now. And Paul, once we get you unmuted here, there you go, Paul. You are you're up with John Gibbons.
4: Perfect. Hi, John. Nice to meet you. Paul, I'm what's
2: good. going on, huh? man? It looks like a beautiful day there. Where are you at? Are you ready? To uh, Th-
4: Thunder Bay, Ontario. So north, 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 northern Ontario, up on uh, top of okay. the area. Yeah. yeah, still got some daylight. I'm okay, actually going to get
1: it. You must have got out been on the lake today, man. You get that.
0: Got to yeah. <laughs> 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 run a comb through it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cheat. I got two questions,
4: one baseball and one Texas. So baseball, I'm interested to know what it was like trying to kind of manage the personalities in the dugout during that game 5 when the ball and off the bat. And then Texas, who has the best barbecue and uh, where should I go?
1: Oh, are you are you coming down this way?
4: Uh, eventually, yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. Go down
0: and make a little yeah. trip. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, as far as the, your your first question there, you know, that whole team, it, it was a uh, yeah, big personalities, you know, in the in the emotional guys. Um, and like I said earlier, that's what that's what made them good. But they were also a handful, you know. He had some of the best players in the game, and so naturally, there's egos, you know. Probably the two most vocal were uh, Donaldson and, and Batista, you know, and they and they they'd have fun together, but they butt heads in the in the uh, in the clubhouse before early before the game and then. Uh, not in a bad way, but in Carnacion, you still have to go break it up, you know, and things, and things like that. But they were just always, you know, just constant jawing at each other, you know. Um, but, you know, they, you know, of course, he had Strome, Stroman pit, you know, he started that game. You know, we had yeah, a lot of, you know, big personality guys in the, in the, but you know what, for some reason, you know, what I, well, at the beginning of that year, when they, when, uh, the, they signed uh, Donaldson and Russell Martin. I think it brought some toughness to us. You know, it 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 because they were they were winning players in, in the. Uh, I think that's something we we needed. Uh, but then the, then at the trade deadline, you know, when Price came in, you know, and then Tula you know, Tula you know, you know, was the ultimate professional. But there was, for some reason, and I think it was rare about that team because a lot of times we have that many personalities and, and big personalities, that many volatile type players. I was saying earlier, you know, how they were disliked in the league, you know, especially those two. That's a, that's the truth. So, when you have a lot of those guys, it doesn't mesh, man, you know, because you got you got whether well, it's too big an ego here and they're fighting these guys and they want all the attention. And sometimes it's you know, it goes, it, it's, it's tough to hold them together. This group, for some reason, it just gelled pretty good. And it started, like I said, with Josh and Russell at the beginning of the year. But then when you had a price too low, Ben Revere, and some of those guys, it just something, just something good happened, you know, and they, they fit right in. And it was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a man, a big part of a manager's job. They, can, you know, say all you want is, is hold your team together, put out the fires. You know, getting them to play every day. It's, it's not necessarily always who you bring in or do you take the pitcher out. You know, that's obviously that's very, very important. But sometimes behind the scenes, just you know, what getting to make sure these guys are focused and not fighting each other and fighting the other guys. You know, but I, but I spent some time in the mid '80s with the Mets, who were probably the most Renegade team ever, right? You know, a great team. But I mean, you talk about, but it was kind of the same thing. These guys, this, that, that group was a little more wild, probably than the Blue Jays teams I'm talking about. I mean, and it was like no holds barred. But you know what? Come game time, man, they, I mean, they didn't. Most of them, those guys did. A lot of those guys didn't like each other. And they fought each other. thing. but once that game started, you know what? They came together as a team, man. Nobody. I mean, they played to win. They played hard, and so that that were that. Could have just and I credit Davy Johnson for kind of you know kind of cultivating that and holding it together. He was managing the team, but it could have gone very easily the other way. It Could have fractured because of this, you know, this asshole's uh, you know he wants all the attention over the strawberry, this whatever, whatever, you know. But so it's kind of, it can be kind of rare, you know. If if you have too many superstars, you can you know you figure you might sometimes you you should be better than sometimes there's there's other things that are holding you back having said that's barbecue
2: see? oh oh yes the barbecue <laughs> come on can't forget the food Gibby all right no, I cheated I had to get it I, in I there I grew up on this place called Bill Miller Barbecue but, it's, but it's, it's like it's like
1: uh, it's a chain right But down here in San Antonio and there's like see, you see one every every couple street corners and uh, I've just always loved that you know the, there's probably some you know there's probably some restaurants you know that's strictly that you know just not franchises that, that are really really good but for some reason that and they get the best iced tea. See, I go, I went for the tea, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. So I would recommend that.
4: Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate
2: okay. it. Yeah, thank thank you welcome, very much, Paul. <laughs> So following up on, on what Paul was saying there, uh, Gibby, I, I, if you were to do a, your resume today, what would you write down as your best attribute as a manager? What is the one aspect of managing that you're probably say, I do that better than anything.
3: Good
2: question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. Tough question. You know, one you don't necessarily want to
1: answer. You know, or I never really thought about it. Or, or uh, you know, you, you let other people do the answer. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought, I thought I was pretty good at uh, you know uh, holding the clubhouse together, and getting the guys to play. And yeah, you know, I thought, I thought I had a knack for the pitching. You know, you know, a big part of that though is you know the teams with the better pitching staffs and the, especially the better bullpen. You know what the manager is smarter. He's going to make better moves. You know, even his bad moves, you come out a little bit better than maybe the guy that's got less. Now that's no secret. You know, so I was fortunate to have some really good pitching staffs. But I was used to be a catcher too, and I kind of prided myself in, you know, like we were talking about earlier. You know, watch, what, you know, the, watching what's going on in the game will tell you a lot. You know, and I, I could, and I would. All, I what else? I always leaned on the the catcher on the team, whether it was Russell, even zonny back, you know, Zoddy in his day, you know, all all those guys. You know, and I'd, I'd get, I'd talk to him sometimes. Just you can get to the middle of the game, um, you know. Has, how's it? How's he looking? And what, is he losing it? Blah blah blah. And they were always pretty open with me, honest with me, because you know we we can watch from the side. In and and, uh, yeah, we get a pretty good idea what's going on. But those guys are catching it head on, and they can see maybe that ball's not quite moving as much and things like that. You know,
2: Gibby, I, I, you literally buried the lead as far as your attributes because what you glossed on just at the beginning to me i think that was a huge factor especially when you recall about the number of big personalities in that clubhouse S- many managers would lose a clubhouse like that I-, I think we can all agree that you know you had an ability to keep a clubhouse together like no other manager we've seen in toronto
1: yeah well you know you know it uh you know what the thing is too, i like these guys you know and i'd butt heads with them in the you know I'd, I'd laugh a joke in in the in rag and rag with them and they'd rag me back so it was you know uh but they had the kind of personalities uh, you know that you could do that with I've had some guys in the past and, you know you do that and you know, they're you know, you know you know what I'm talking about but so so <laughs> that made it easier we you know we had fun together we we, we really did but uh, you know I think what you can't what you can't happen you know when you're dealing with you know it's always been that way in baseball you know if you get, you get the superstar players you can't be intimidated by them. Let, them let them run the show you know obviously you give them the respect for what they've earned but you know they're really no different than the other guy other than some of the lesser players other than they're, they're going to be in the lineup more than the other guy you know so he, i think you think you know he, it sends a good message too that you know you expect the same out of the, the top dog as you do out of the 25th guy on the run right why wouldn't you you know in uh So I I think big. That's a big part of it, you know, that they know. Hey, you know what? You know, this guy's got my back too. If he's so, you know, if 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 you don't back them up, they're they're not going to back you up. If you want, if you got to fight for them, if you want them to fight for you, you know, it's just kind of the way it works. And it was just a good group that I I think I I hit it off pretty good. But you know, I've had some I had some you know blow ups in the past that you know. But sometimes you know what, it's like with your own kids, man. You know, sometimes you know what. You can't if you you can't just go along like this all the time. Sometimes it's got to be a little bump in the road, you know, to get somebody's attention. You know this. Hey, you know sometimes status quo isn't always good. You know, and, and if I got to tell you something more than uh, I'll be I'll be liberal here, more than three or four times, something's probably wrong. You know, I, when I grew up, my dad, old man told me he told me once that was usually, if I didn't do it, you know, that was probably there was probably gonna be some a little hell to pay. Yes, you know, sometimes you get a little more flexibility, but sooner or later, come on. You know, sooner or later, it's probably your fault, not mine, because I asked you a number of times. If they don't, you know what? Sometimes you got to get their attention somehow.
0: Is there one bump in the road with a player that you hit that sticks out in your mind is then watching that player after the confrontation turn it around and do the right thing?
2: Oh, I know one. I know one. Kevin Pilar. I think you, Gibby, were really, really key on Kevin Pilar turning his career around. Well, I do know about that. You
1: know, I, like, I like Kev. That, that whole deal. You know what? I had heard about Kev. You know, Kev was drafted so late. You know, nobody expected him to do anything. Then he's the MVP on basically all his team, all his teams in the minor leagues. And uh, one of my old roommates and best friend, Steve Springer, uh, who, who knew him, and saw him playing the minor leagues, said, this kid can hit. This kid can hit. Stick with him, blah, blah, blah. You know, but, and naturally he wasn't getting the recognition because he was such a low draft pick. But so eventually he eventually works his way to the big leagues. And remember, we had Anthony Ghost too around that time, and, and Ghost had you know, as much talent as anybody. And he was trying to figure out his game. So the, the solution we had was, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna platoon him. It was I think we were out of it; it might have been a month, two months left. Let's platoon him, see what happens. Give him some playing time. You know, best man wins, or gives us a little better idea for next year. So, they, and then we told him they they both knew that. And what happened with Kevin? Kevin wanted to hit, and they, they would bring it in a, a right-hander, and so naturally, hey, we're gonna platoon him. We're gonna let Ghost hit. But he wanted a chance to be, you know, to show us what he could do and, and drive in the runs and all. And that's one thing I love about Kev. You know, he 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 wanted to be the guy, you know, and you know, I hey, I tip my hat to the kid for that. But so anyway, so he he overreacted, slammed this. i this guy what's he got a week, two weeks in the big legs? I don't even remember what it was. I said, uh, you know, take your crap, go inside, you know, come see me after the game. Uh, and of course, we sent him down. But literally, no, we we're probably going to have sent him down anyway, you know. But it looked better. The fact that, that you know,
2: and uh, yeah, he didn't know that.
1: <laughs> you know, Cap, and, and I love him to death, man. And he's the ultimate gamer. And Kev didn't say one word. And I called him in and basically said, you know what? I don't know what you're doing. You understand what, what we're having here, what we're going to do with you and Gozi? Blah, blah, blah. But you want to act? You, know, you want to act like that? You ain't going that good. You know, go back down to AAA you know, hopefully you come back, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe you'll never really get back, you know, unless you change your attitude a little bit like that. I, I love the enthusiasm. I love you want to be the guy, but sure enough, he gets called back, but I don't know, I don't really hold any grudges. Cause I like the guy, you know, it was kind of the underdog in, in the, you know, we actually became, became really good friends. I guess, I think he would say it because I had the utmost respect for him, but I do. I, I think, I think that did him some good, you know,
2: I, I really do. Well, he told us that he's been on our show and he said that and, he said that once he got, you know, down, in fact, the entire drive down, he just spoke to his dad. And he did a lot of soul-searching, and he did a lot of growing up. And these are key moments in players' careers, Gibby. It's either a make or break. <clears throat> Let's not forget what happened to Roy Halliday when he got sent down. Not down to AAA, but he goes all the way back down to, to A-ball. So, I mean, you really see, like you always can tell a player's talents, but you really don't see what they have inside of them until you see how they deal with the adversities.
1: Exactly. And then another quick, you know, I, I had a little running with Teddy Lilly and Teddy, I are good buddies, man. We used to run together on the road, you know, when, when, you know, like a day after a start or a couple, you know, we go because I, I, I was in somewhat better shape back then. So I jog a little bit at the ballpark. I think most of it, I, most of it during this time was right when I, and I was I was a coach on the team. And of course, then I became the manager when, when this happened. And it was just an overreaction on my part a little bit. And, and obviously on his He, you know, uh, because I really liked the guy. Then after it was over, you know, things settled down. You know what? Things, is, things are as good as new, you know. I thought he was screwing around on the mound. You know, we gave him like a seven six seven 6 7 run lead against Danny Heron when he was with Oakland. Heron was one of the better in the game. And he, and he goes out there. And, and uh, yeah, I think we dropped like four or five on him in the second inning. Anyway, and, and Teddy goes out there, and, and he uh, gets a couple strikes on somebody. Maybe walk walked the guy. Couple, and he throws a couple pitches sidearm. And I looked at the pitchy coach. Well, what is that? He's never done that. It's, I thought he was screwing around or something. So, anyway, now that, that thing started to snowball the other way. A couple walk, home runs, whatever, whatever. And then So, the pitchy coach, Petey, goes out there. And uh, was it Pete No, or was it, was it Patterson at the
2: Oh, was it Arn Arnsberg? Oh, was it yeah,
1: Arnie. That's Arnie right, was Arnie. there. I was thinking, I was thinking because you know, after I took Tosca spot, uh Patterson was still there, and then then PK. Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm glad. How can I forgive Arnie, my man? But anyway, <laughs> so he goes out there, you know, Arnie's got away with words, and Arnie's a big strong. You know, uh lay on the line, don't mess with Arnie type. And, and basically, so, so anyway. Next thing you know, he, he, well, I think he was he had like Eric Chavez, 0-2, right? Then he ends up dropping, through another side on him, then walks him. And so I, t- I go out there and take him out. That's what he doesn't give me the, you know, the story. He doesn't give me the ball. And then we kind of jaw a little bit. And then he kind of sticks the ball in my gut. And that's it. That, that was it, man. I said, okay, anything but that, you know. And then, of course, and I'm walking off, and I see him down that little tunnel down the stairs. And I didn't give him much thought. I just kind of reacted. And I went down there, and I don't know if I said something to him first or he said something to me first. And then we just kind of hugged, I guess you could say. And then then the bench is cleared, everything comes down and break it up. Nothing, nothing very, nothing, nothing really bad happened. But Teddy, you know that, that that's the thing disappointed me the most is I, I really liked Teddy. We had a good relationship, and it was just emotions taking over. But I said, you know, I'm thinking, come on, man, we give you, we don't score a lot of runs anyway. We give you six or seven runs lead. Let's go.
2: I tell you what, Kibby if if we waited any longer to get to John and Sue, I think they might go all Ted Lilly on us here. So Ooh. without further ado, uh, know, well, our favorite couple. Mm-hmm. And for the first time I think ever, John has longer hair than Sue. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. He gets a cut. I
2: hey.
3: uh, oh. my my you Jersey, but it's too yeah. hot, too hot yeah. to wear it right now. But listen, I need to know when you're coming to Toronto because I have a gift for you. And it's a it's a maple oh. leaf with a five on it oh so, look at that oh, i don't know it, can i can, can we even
1: come up there yet and they lifted the restrictions,
2: yeah you come up here you you quarantine at my house for 14 days and then then you can go visit sue
1: there you go you know i tell you what i i i can't wait to get back up there you know right after the year after i got fired i, I was i was i came to canada i think it was, and i did like four different little banquets right Mm-hmm. I did a couple out there in the prairies, out in in Moose Jaw, and then I did the, the one in Toronto, and then uh, there was one on the East Coast. I think there was, well, there was four, maybe. And uh, and I loved it. I said, you know, I could get used to doing this. You know, I guess I see a lot of old friends and enjoy it. It made a little money naturally. And then when all this hits, you know, that kind of dried up. But I'm I'm hoping maybe you know what unless I'm totally forgotten. you know When 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 things kind of get back to normal, maybe there's another bank or two I can come, come check it out and see some old friends, we'll, you know?
3: We'll see you when it's safe, okay?
1: Yeah, well, you guys stay safe. You guys look great!
3: You look like I you've love, been suntanned. I love, you guys I, love been the, sun-tanned? I love the pictures behind you. The paintings are fabulous.
1: You know, that's me on that horse. Did you re- realize that? No!
3: I thought so. <laughs> yeah, hey, Jordy, come here! <laughs> Jordan? Hey Jordan, bring my family here. Come here, hurry up. Oh. Bring everybody. How's how's Jordan doing? Because
1: she just said, is that Sue? I
3: recognize hey, hey, there's- I was like, Joe, I- man, look at Joe. Look at, at long
1: hair Joe. He's like a hippie. Oh, I
3: miss y'all. <laughs> Damn. I oh. recognize that voice from the living room.
1: I was like, that's
3: gotta
1: and be. I had somebody I want you guys to meet.
3: <laughs> my my
1: new wife, Christy.
2: Hi, Christy. You, Hi, Christy. Nice, nice to meet, to
3: meet you. you.
2: Hi, nice to meet you. So, you hey, taking no, good care, care of her? <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> taking <laughs> good, good care, care of her, Gibby?
1: And Sue was commenting on her wonderful that she loves the paintings on the wall back there.
3: Oh, the Cowboys, yeah. yeah. That's
1: what that was me riding the range. <laughs> down
3: there, yeah. I'm down
1: there patrolling that border, man. You got to get horseback. <laughs> <man. laughs> <laughs>
3: way to do it on horseback <laughs>
1: i know it i know it's well it's great to see you guys
3: oh it's so good to see you too can't or wait you, to see you again hey show
1: them that show them that shirt too
3: you got it oh, for me canada one right the canada
1: yeah, made
3: for me. oh i love that oh well, that's so great
1: hey i hope it fits man i've been putting on a little weight since i retired <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Sue, uh, pass it over to your husband. John, do you have a question for John? I I do. John, it's about managing. And uh,
6: I have a lead-in to my question. So when you were were with the Mets, you had Davey Johnson. And when you were uh, with the Royals, you had Trey Hillman, And then there was Carlos Tosca when you were the bullpen catcher. So... This gave you, and here's where the, where the props come in, John. Okay. Kingsport Kingsport Mets, Appalachian League champions, St. Louis Mets, Florida State champions, Beganton Mets, Eastern League playoffs, Norfolk Tides, International League playoffs. You come to the Jays and you have, you win 793 games. You pass some guy named Bobby Cox. I don't know whatever happened to him. Um, But John, that's an incredible um, uh, resume and career of managing. So my question is, with the experience that you'd had in baseball, was there any one or two or three managers that really influenced you? Because from what we saw, you were really a player's manager. and, And you really knew how to... Get a team. Get the most out of a team. So, with that experience, um, where did John Gibbons
1: learn how to manage? Well, John, that, well, thank you for some of those compliments there. Uh, well, you know, the only guy I, I played, play, you know, a little under two years in the big leagues, not a lot of playing time. But the only guy I ever put in my manager was Davy Johnson. Davy's yeah. actually from San Antonio, my hometown, and I and I love the guy. You know, he was very confident. Uh, he didn't necessarily talk a lot, but he showed confidence in his players. And um, and he, he, I thought he was a, he was a smart baseball guy. But it was just something I liked about it. He, he was fair, you know, honest, that kind of guy. But he, but he was a player's manager, you know. He basically his rules were, you know, show up on time and play the game hard, right? You know, not too much to ask. And, and but he had the he had that wild bunch team, the mid the Mets. So maybe he could have used a little more discipline. I don't know. But then. Then the, the the two other men that that really influenced and helped me in the game, uh, my first manager in rookie ball in Kingsport when I I got drafted in 1980 was a man named Chuck Hiller. Right, Chuck played with the Giants in the you know hit a, hit a grand slam in the World Series, but Chuck was always Whitey Herzog's right hand man. So when when they were he coached third base for him when he was in Kansas City, and then when Whitey was in St. Louis, you know Chuck was his. Uh, our base coach and chuck would I, I always i asked him one time i said you know because you know whitey was you know nobody better than whitey and uh i said well, how come whitey takes you every everywhere you go he goes he goes hey, every team needs an asshole and i went and then <laughs> because cause he because so sorry so he said so whitey didn't have to be the bad guy chuck would be the bad guy in the play, you know, Chuck would get on the players and Whitey needed something. And so, so Whitey never had to do it. I thought, that's brilliant, you know? So, <laughs> so anyway, so, but anyway, he was my first manager in rookie ball when I was a young kid, just left home and really helped me out a lot there. Then when I got into coaching again with the Mets, um, back in the nineties, he was also still around as a, uh, kind of an advisor, you know, he was just kind of semi-retired and we became roommates during instruction and things like that in the, uh, so he would talk now he's talking to me about coaching and stuff like that and it i mean i got so much from him and then the last guy daryl johnson dj he managed the red Sox. you know in this 75 world series against the reds and then he managed some in seattle when uh, when i was playing with the mets my towards the end of my career there in the in the mid to late 80s he was like the, the Mets general manager was a guy named Frank Cashin. who was a really good baseball guy and, you know, very successful. He ran, used to run the Baltimore Orioles back when they were really good. But he was like uh, Frank Cashin's right-hand man. And so he he rented an apartment. He had an apartment down there in Norfolk, Virginia, Tidewater where the Mets AAA team was. So he was at most of our games. And any time they needed a player, they needed to really know what was going on The people in New York, they called DJ because he's at all our games watching and, uh, you know I I'd just sit around talk with him, talk about the game sometime and then when I got into coaching also I'd run into him in the same kind of setup and he'd ask me questions and I'd ask him questions you know and, and uh, so those those three guys were primarily Chuck and uh, and DJ were the were the two most influential in, in pro ball I got two wonderful men you know and, and uh, that's one thing I've you know uh, I've met some great people I've, I've played under some great people in the game and then like some of my great great friends like you two that you know i met in this game and, and uh, you know i miss that you know especially with all this stuff going on we're all isolated you know and, and uh, you, you miss the you know you miss your you miss your fans your fans. you know
2: awesome. we miss
6: you, so- we miss you. Right
2: yeah so yeah and, and- but you guys look better than ever <laughs> there is former toronto blue jays manager john gibbons Tom, it was a rather lengthy conversation with Gibby, but it was so well worth it. He was completely raw, uncensored, and we got everything out of Gibby. And that was a fantastic chat. And once again, there were our insiders. We only had four of them that joined. We have a lot more than four insiders, but only four of them took advantage of this opportunity. We want more of you win. We could have had three or four more in that chat room. Tom, how can people get in on these Zooms and chat with people like Gibby?
0: Well, before I tell them that, I'm going to tell them, you know, I just read something last week that said that Gibby is actually advertising he will do a personalized greeting for your birthday, for, you know, for a birthday surprise for somebody. I think it costs $50 a greeting. Wow. wow. For, for a personalized greeting from Gibby, and apparently he does amazing ones. So I'll give him a plug for that. For $50, bucks, you can have Gibby. But for 3 bucks a month, at patreon.com which is
2: 36 bucks for a year
0: 36 bucks for a year you can sit in with the talk with a direct talk not just a pre-recorded message with blue jays past and present with people from the the organization (laughs) and future and you can sit in every week with us so patreon.com slash out of the park join us three dollars a month five dollars a month heck if you want to give us 50 bucks a month, we'll take yeah. it.
2: Oh, yeah, you're more than welcome to do that.
0: <laughs> but, for th- but for three bucks in a month, you
2: can sit in on
0: these talks. Yes. And you can talk right with Gibby and ask him questions.
2: Yeah, and it's a great way to help support the podcast as well. As you know, this is how we you know make money off this show. And we provide a product. And it's nice that you, if you can help us in any way. Uh, Even if you don't want to become a regular member, you're more than welcome to make a one-time donation, too. We'll take that. We'll take whatever we can get from you. We're going to continue to bring you these amazing shows each and every week, and we're glad to have you aboard. And, Tom, i tell you what. If you were in my clubhouse, I'd probably want to beat the crap out of you, too. But at the end, I'd give you a nice big hug.
0: (laughs) Well, it's the dynamics of every great team,
2: Barry. Yes, and then I'd probably want to beat you up again, but good luck with that. All right, Tom, thank you, and thanks to all of you for making us a part of your week.